0: Do we know what we're talking about? Season three.
1: Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is I'm Matt Russell.
0: Russell. This is, and is. Have Pod Have Mercy.
1: Do you know that a couple came up to me and said they ran into somebody in oh, yeah. Cabo who listens to Pod Have Mercy and they said, are you from Houston? They said, no, I'm from
0: upstate New York. So. Awesome. Take that! That's right. We're crushing it in Upstate New York. Other
1: podcasts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've got a listener in Upstate New People York. People actually listen who's to this not, podcast. Who's not a relative. <laughs>
1: yeah. Enter in season three. So we're gonna have uh, we'll have some of our guests back from the past, like Dr. Cleve Tinsley, his wife LaNicia, who in her own right is a, uh. an amazing artist and brilliant mind. Uh, Jennifer
0: Bailey. Yeah, Jennifer's a United Methodist pastor at Tennessee and is doing a lot of work on the edges with millennials and folks that are coming back to church. Looking forward to having Bishop Janice
1: Huey, who's leading mm. some stuff now with the Texas Methodist Foundation, yeah. around just sort of recapturing kind of where we are in time and space and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and renewal and leadership, a lot of good Enjoying stuff that it. she's done. Matt Miofsky is a friend of mine from St. Louis who pastors a really interesting church mm-hmm. called The Gathering. Um, that's... Highly evangelical and highly inclusive, yeah. which some people think you can't have that kind of a church together. But Matthew proven it, it he's wrong it. with one of the fastest growing yeah. Methodist churches in the U.S. Um,
0: Rudy Rasmus, yeah, yeah well,
1: just, we got to we got to go have
0: coffee. I can't Rudy. believe we have not had Rudy on the podcast before. I mean, well, St- did, he's at yeah. Saint John United Methodist Church. He's been a United Methodist pastor, And we have to go to Galveston with Michael Ganger.
1: Oh, yeah. We are in the great city of Waco, Waco Texas. Texas. W- uh, sorry. Waco, Waco, <laughs> Waco, Texas, the home of the Baylor Bears National Championship Men's Basketball. Yes. Did you know that?
0: I did I did, I did know that. Yeah. That, I had, was, that happened recently?
1: I, yeah, I had to go to the bookstore this morning to get just, Bob Lindsay some oh, swag.
0: Yeah. yeah, Bob's pretty stoked probably that we're yeah, here. He's,
1: yeah. He calls it the Promised Land. The
0: promised Land. <laughs> yeah. He so
1: went. Matt and I are joined today by Joseph Patty. That's me. Joseph Patty is the newest member of Chapwood staff and he is the director of student ministries now. Woo-hoo, and so woo-hoo. we're up at Summit. Yeah. Which is a great mission outreach that the youth and adults we have about 250 I think I don't remember the exact count but I just tell me I just I repeat what they say to me uh, of (laughs) middle schoolers and high schoolers and adult chaperones that are out working all in the community helping to rebuild homes helping to improve um, homes like today we were at a site where they're Helping give a paint job, but also reinforcing a back deck yeah. that's basically <laughs> deteriorating on, uh, on a house. And, you know, an interesting story. Why don't you tell the, the next door? It was Michelle. Oh, yeah. And yeah. next door is her mom, Miss Betty. That's
0: right. We're working on her mom's house um, with a crew of, uh, of, of students. And next door is where Michelle lives. And so four years ago, um, Summit came to Waco and they worked on Michelle's house. And so she, uh, her mom, the house that we're working on, her mom has Alzheimer's and is unable to come out um, and, um, and interact with us. And so Michelle has been the contact person. And the first day we were there, Michelle came over and we all just greeted her and we're talking with her. And she had this blue card in her hand. And uh, she said, four years ago, there was a crew here that did redid my house. And uh, she talked about how uh, much of an impact it had on her. And the blue card that she had in her hand was a thank you note that uh, the Summit uh, students had written to her thanking her for the opportunity to work on her house. And, um, and she, um, she talked about um, the folks that were there. And she said, hey, there's a real tall guy. That uh, that was was there. She started describing this person. I said, "Oh, I think you're talking about Mark Hauser," and she said, "Yes, Mark." And so she talked about Mark for a while and the other students that were there. And it was just this legacy of of love and connection. It was just great. I was just you know, and all the kids that were surrounding her were like kind of blown away that that's the kind of impact that they're going to be having. And,
1: yeah, and this is the first. So <clears throat> it's been a couple of years. Yeah. If you think about Summit um in houston in 2017 we had harvey uh we we did a lot of local work really two years in a row local work they stayed at the church we didn't travel outside of the city because there was a lot of work that needed to be done in the city in houston right yeah and so it's like why do you go to waco or bulverde or wherever it is that you go when you've got all this need that you could be doing right there in houston so for two years we did it in houston and then we had this whole thing called the global pandemic, and uh, kids <laughs> were not allowed to go and do anything, and so last night in worship, just to, in these Dude. evenings, to see these kids run up to the front and put their arms around each other and, just and sing and worship, and it's just, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, I've seen videos of you doing youth ministry in masks and socially yeah. distance and you know i mean it's it's just crazy it's so crazy there's again. something about being all together in that yeah. room that's kind of special i thought
0: yeah i mean just the fact that we're worshiping and i i haven't been around this many people in a year and a half you know and collectively like there's like 200 or so folks in that in the worship service and it's just like and everybody's like connected and just singing together and i i feel like it's this like amazing way to come out of the pandemic in some ways through like worship and service it's just been it's been extraordinary. So Joseph
1: patty yeah, man. Who's the most famous? Who's the most famous Joseph that you know? Mm, that you know? Well, now you know, or you know of? Hmm. Joseph that's Rogan. Joe, Rogan. Joe Rogan. Joseph. <laughs> See, that's what the podcast <laughs> did. <dude> would say <laughs> that. yeah, that's right.
2: <clears throat> There's a lot of negative Josephs, but they all spell their name with an F.
0: Oh, there um, you go. Oh yeah. The yeah. mass murderers like Joseph Stalin?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those. So most famous Joseph.
1: Uh, that you know of.
2: Bible Joseph? I mean besides yeah, the Bible Josephs are the main
1: ones. So the rest of them like Joseph in Biden. Hmm. Joseph Clam. Yeah, but he spells it the wrong way. Oh. He
0: does. Oh, the mass murderer way?
1: The most he famous. Does. All right, so the most <laughs> the most famous patty.
0: Ooh, peppermint
1: patty. Peppermint patty, of Come course. Yeah. It's got. I mean, there's... I was thinking Patty Labelle. Oh, patty name's pretty fun for me. It's
2: if you go up into the northwest, it's actually pretty popular. It's like Irish or what is it? Uh, it's technically Joseph from the Isle patty? of Man.
0: Hello, Patty. Oh, oh paddy, paddy paddy paddy, laddie! How you oh, doing? Oh, yeah. paddy. Technically, oh, technically paddy. from the Isle oh, of Man, Guinness which is a eh? little
2: little island right between England and Ireland. So there's a little of both. Okay, there. That's where all the oh. patties are from.
1: Oh, there you go. All there the patties are from the, the little, oh. Isle yeah, little Isle of Man, there. little Isle of Man.
0: another Guinness <laughs> we'll for you, some, there,
1: laddie? Slip some Jamaican in there at the end of your Irish. Accents yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Marxists> all <laughs> all over the place, man. <laughs> Never know what's going to come out. <coughs> so. uh, it's an island, in that work—that's the same. <laughs> yeah. No. But and no. The, and here is the kicker: they're, So you Joseph Patty, Joe Patty, mm-hmm. in Pensacola is the greatest seafood market of all. Joe Patty's. Joe Patty's seafood. But they spell it wrong too. Yeah, they spell it with an I instead yeah. of a Y. They're not from the Isle of Man. They're from the Isle of Gulf Breeze, <laughs> Florida. So they spell it a little bit different. Well, Joseph, tell us about yourself. Yeah, man, I you know
2: grew up West Texas, uh, you know, kind of that rural setting. Went to A and M, uh, then went up to seminary. Whoop! And whoop! I learned how to do that. And uh, went up to seminary in Kentucky at Asbury. And uh, man, I I swore I would never move to Houston, and and God said check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so been here about seven years and uh, working at, over at St. Luke's, doing youth ministry over there, been loving it. Um, moved here when my daughter, so uh, been married about 12 years, and my daughter was about six months old when we moved here, and, and so mm-hmm. now she is seven, and I've got a five-year-old son, and, and they are like 100%, she's all girl, princess, dancing, storytelling, and he is destruction and potty jokes,
0: Wreck-It Ralph. And
2: <laughs> uh, but man, they both have just like the biggest hearts, and mm. it's it's cool. Great. So uh, having fun with that, and um, got ourselves a uh, quarantine dog. And um,
0: what kind of dog?
2: It is a mutt of mutts. Uh, it has got oh gosh, what all? Is, like the two the two that she resembles the most are Doberman and Lab so Doberdor uh, and then but she's also got Rottweiler she's got uh, what were the other ones
1: um, Would you have a genetic s- test done? Oh, no, like, so well, actually, we didn't.
2: But one of the other
1: one of the other ancestry. And I mean, he's going down the list like part <laughs> Wotwaller. It's like what he did twenty three and <laughs> me, and he, like, he, like sent the the nasal swab in, and the dog came back. And one like, of the she, other families, mostly uh, from the continent of Southeast Asia.
2: <laughs> there's, there's 30% in there is thirty percent unknown, and there's probably <laughs> thirty percent. <laughs> we just call that mutt. That's the breed. Yeah, uh, man, she's a great dog. Um, She's finally <coughs> stopped wetting the floor when I opened the front door, which we're excited about. Right. Um,
1: but you, just know. Either, you either scared the crap out of her or <laughs> she was just so glad That's to funny. see you. She
2: couldn't contain it. Oh, man, she's the most affectionate. She's aggressively affectionate. Um, so I just tell people when they come over, just go ahead, let her kiss you in the mouth and just get it over <laughs> with. And uh, so... <laughs> I will not be coming <laughs> over to visit you. I'll let yeah. you I'll let yeah. you know when that phase is done. Yeah. Whatever, right? So
1: Well t- uh, so you youth ministry. Yeah, man. And you've been doing this now for a number of years and mm-hmm. now you're coming over uh here to Chapelwood to work with us and doing that. I mean talk about just youth ministry in twenty twenty one. I mean we've we're coming out of a pandemic, so that's a whole other yeah. level of, of yeah. thing, but yeah.
2: yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of creatively approach it, right? There is the mm-hmm. basics of it, which is just basically building relationships and getting to know people, uh, until, until they get to know Jesus and creating, uh, this environment where people can learn to not just like be a Christian. Like, I'm not interested in that. Like, I want people who are following Jesus. I want to, I want to disciple people so that when they go off to college, Like they're dangerous. You know what I mean? Um, I don't want just the people who are going to survive and maybe come back to church one day. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys, but just the the drop-off rate of students leaving college. I mean, we've all read the statistics uh, that it's depending on the year, 50% and up of people who grew up in church, were highly involved in church, and then, uh, you know, come back and um, you know, never think about church again. Mm. Uh, well, maybe they don't think about it, but they never enter a church again. And, and I think, you know, there's, there's a way that we can approach youth ministry that isn't just let us entertain you, uh, but I believe that they have a high and deep capacity uh, to understand difficult things, to, to delve deeply into faith. Uh, but also to lead the church, um, and so that's that's really uh, kind of been my mantra. Even the last seven years, I came in and wanted to build uh, this this student leadership process, mm. and and let them basically just take over and run it. Right. So most of our middle school retreats were run by high school students. Um, and and to watch them catch that bug for being able to pour into others, and and for an other-centered lifestyle, a missional lifestyle, uh, that you know it's it's not they're not at the end goal yet. <laughs> they're still students. Mm-hmm. If they were at the end goal, that'd be pretty cool. But uh, you know, but there is there is these seeds planted of recognizing like oh like a life with god is not just being a good person but it is a life that is in love with him and lived for others um and so planting those seeds and and really uh, not being satisfied with just hey our church attendance is good um so so yeah that's that's kind
1: of a roundabout wave yeah, <laughs> so it's, in my view of ministry. there was an, an article i was reading and there's this um this, uh, adolescent uh, psychology, psycho- psychiatry, she studies religion and faith in, mm-hmm. in teenagers. and She talks about um, that, you know, the, the teenager's brain grows really rapidly and they can begin to think more abstractly and critically mm-hmm. and they begin to get their own ideals. They also are really keen at recognizing sincerity and hypocrisy <laughs> And authenticity. So like if you're like putting on a show or not, it's like I always tell parents whenever they're talking about, well, how do I deal with these difficult situations with my children? I'm like, you just need to be honest for the most part because they will they they have some kind of telekinetic, tele whatever, telepathic power to kind of read when (laughs) stuff's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like they they know like, well, you know, our marriage is falling apart, but we haven't told our kids yet. I'm like, Your kids know. (laughs) They
0: know. They've They've known for for a a long 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 time. I knew I knew
1: like Two or three years before my parents finally got divorced, that mm-hmm. things were not good, and they just thought they were, you know. But it, it was it was fascinating to me because one of the things I liked what she wrote it was a long article. Um, you know, they deal with a lot of heartbreak, social cliques. They see the suffering of the world. Mm-hmm. They wonder about God, and how God's involved in those things, and they're not really interested. Although sometimes we think, you know, we think in terms of of, of synthesizing stuff down in very simple ways. Right, we've got. I got to talk to this. I got to talk about this in a way that a, a teenager will understand, and yet that that puts them in a place of, of like you're not capable of understanding real thoughts and real ideas. You know, a, a, a mature conversation, but um, says that uh, right when kids are beginning to struggle and have more doubts is when we ask them to affirm their faith <laughs> at confirmation and. What do you think about the whole article? Is really interesting because it tells a story about one particular uh, teenager. We can talk about him later. Thomas Ramey from Decatur, Alabama, who kind of grew up actively involved in the church, going to everything three, four days a week, blah, 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 and now he's kind of like almost agnostically connected spiritually in his life um, because he saw such a disconnect. He was in that. He was sort of in a social. Outcasts. I mean, a, a clique in his church. So it was bullying, and there was this, and he saw how his church and other teenagers dealt with some of his friends that were gay or whatever else. And so it was just it, all this stuff that he grew up with. You know, here he's in the church, and he sees how they're they're talking and interacting and dealing, yeah. and it kind of I won't say it's it pushes him away, but it really causes him to say. What is this? You know, I mean, uh it talks a story about how his mother and his mother was friends with a, a family and the guy was dying of, of dementia and he watched him and he prayed for him and prayed for him prayed for him and the guy died. And he's like, you know, I don't really pray for things anymore, he says, cuz whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I'm thinking, man, you know, um don't want to put it all at the feet of that that guy's church, but it's like we need to do a better job yeah. of giving space like you said for doubt, for fear, for beholding where kids are. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it was a fascinating article I was reading um you know this morning and it speaks a lot to where the kids now we assume I did youth ministry 30 years ago. I don't know that it's in wow. the same place that it was. Probably yeah. not. But they didn't have cell phones. I was like, the f- "Yeah, uh, that was
0: back technology. in the day when
1: the parent didn't pick up the kid." You go, "Come on, back in my office. Let's call your mom yeah. from my landline,
0: from my rotary phone." <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's not answering, so she must be on her way. <laughs> anyway, thoughts
0: about kids? You got teenage kids? Dear Lord, I've got I got three teenage kids. Yeah, yeah. I think in some ways, like. I, I, in some ways, like we we set our kids up to leave the church because we create such an in and out way of believing. So belief is all in our heads, right? And we don't incorporate the sense of doubt as an absolute, common, and necessary um, way to integrate faith. And so um, that I believe and I don't believe are really a part of what it means to be faithful, right? Folks that don't doubt don't really believe, they parrot. they're holding on to something that they want to make them secure. And it's really about assurances and security that people invest in. I think a lot of ways our faith has been kind of, at least perpetuated, is that we make it into these belief systems, right? And so um, you're in and out based on those beliefs. But if you don't believe, if God doesn't heal your mother, or can't do this, or doesn't do that, um, but the God you've been given, when we start out with omnipotent, omniscient, all these omnis, we start in an abstract place, right? Yeah. And we think all power means that God can do anything because we know what power is. I've seen Superman and God's got to be stronger than Superman, right? But then you were in the New Testament in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he can't, walk, he can't he can walk on water. But at the end, he can't carry his own cross. Hmm. And we say at the end is where he's the most powerful, right? right? And so we, we, we don't teach our kids a way of holding these truths, I think. And so, yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you there. Like,
2: the, specifically the teenage brain with its, its new ability, newfound ability to process doubt. Hmm. Uh, you know, we, kind of like you were saying, we almost make this idol out of certainty um and if we can teach students how to to journey through doubt uh those can actually be avenues for really deepening your faith right. uh, instead of just being so afraid of it oh if i don't say the right thing if i don't like no like it's okay that your theology is a little bit of a mess uh, let me shepherd you through that <laughs> let's mm-hmm. walk through that together and we'll figure it out Um I'm not worried about people having the right answers uh as much as as i want them to kind of like you're saying authentically pursue um and if authentic pursuit means being honest about where you're at to start um and and maybe not ready whenever it's time for confirmation to be forced into saying i believe x y and z when i'm in sixth grade uh it's i mean that's a lot to ask of it anybody right um i mean i i myself came to a like solid deep faith after my 6th grade year um i had mm-hmm. an encounter with the lord that was very real mm-hmm. uh and shifted the trajectory of my life right uh but i was also
1: the first of most of my friends yeah i think if you take i don't know how many kids are down there you know worshiping tonight last night mm-hmm. um at the church where we're gathering, but I'm looking at all of them in there and I'm say I'm thinking to myself, there there's gotta be a lot of kids here who, you know, don't even know what to make sense of how to make sense of God at this point. That's right. And so there's social activities, they're worshiping, they get together, they put the arms around each other, and it is. It's um it's a social cohesion, you know. There's yeah. there's something happening going on yeah. that they've missed and that it really is neat to see. Um, you know, just these kids haven't been together in 14 right. months right, or right. a year and a half. <clears throat> and so they just can't wait to hop pews and get down on the front in it's front awesome. of the music and just put the arms around each other. It's yeah. like, I haven't been this close to another teenager in, in, yeah. in a year and a half. I haven't been able to breathe in the same space as you much. <clears throat> right. yeah. put my arms around you. Right. And so yeah. that, that's a that's powerful right. thing, but you can't tell me that there's not a lot of kids down there that are struggling. I was texting a lot of parents, some pictures and videos. There's a lot of them that I'm friends with. And one, one dad texted me a note from his daughter and it was just basically simply like, this is so awesome. I'm in, you know, I'm almost to tears and people were looking at me and I didn't care. She goes, and I just feel like God's presence. And I know that he's real in, in this moment tonight, you know, where we're all together. And I'm thinking that's not coming in isolation in a no. pandemic. That's no. coming corporately together where there's worship together, there's kids together. Yeah, we're serving you know, together. She's, we're serving together. It's like you go out and you watch. It's like putting hands and feet. That's yeah. why I think that this the, the summit is so interesting because it really does. It's sort of the, the 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 head, the heart, the hands, yeah, everything together. So you have the passion of the worship, right? You have the head. where you have the learning or the mm-hmm. lessons and the devos that they're doing in the morning and at night. And then they go out and they they get their hands and get paint on their hands or you know. Like, uh, uh, you know, Levi climbing under the house this morning. (laughs) You know, uh, he says, Who Tim Howard's like, Who all right, who wants to climb under the house? And everybody's looking at going, You know, not Not me. (laughs) And then finally, somebody goes, I'll do it. He goes, No, he goes, Levi, I need you, I need somebody strong. And Levi goes, I don't know if I want to do it. It's like, What's under there? He goes, Well, there's no rats because there's a hundred feral cats all around us. So there's no rats, but there might be cats. And sure enough, he goes in there. There's some great video.
0: There's some great video. Jeff
1: and Zach got some great video. Because there was a hole on the side of the bottom of the house. And, and Zach cat was jumped able to, in. Well, Zach was able to, to shoot and shine the light in so you can see Tim and Levi up under the house. And then when he came back around the house, they're like, you're going to have
0: company. The cat just went through the hole. Oh, no. and, Levi's and Levi's like, no. Like, no. <laughs>
1: but you know, they're bracing up this back. Uh, porch that's caving in yeah. for this um elderly yeah. lady there at her house and I, but I, I mean I go back to just that's the hand so it's like I'm a, I'm actually doing something for someone. Absolutely. And when you're interviewing these kids I didn't get to hear um all that they were saying but there's some there's some connection for them of faith and passion and head and doing. Right. I think that's very healthy.
0: Well, the very way healthy. we learn to, I was thinking even the way we learn to walk is not by watching a video or uh, taking a course on walking. The way we learn to walk is by like stumbling and coordinating our bodies and having people say, you can do it, kind of come this way, you know, holding us away. And I think our faith, we've stuck it so much in our head and it's about right beliefs. So you say these right things and that makes you a Christian, which is absolutely nutty. You know, when we think about the way of actually the way of walking with Jesus, right? That's a portion of it. It's not even the biggest portion, um, but 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 the way of becoming a Christian is through what John's saying, through the the coordination of things with our hands and our heart, right? I was thinking about what Michael Polanyi says that our believing at its source is conditioned by our belonging, and so we we first belong before we believe, uh, right?
2: Yeah, I was just thinking about that, like this. Even, you know for this girl that you were talking about, mm. she is she has this place to belong, like she has this community that the sense of community that she hasn't felt, which honestly just kind of opens the door, mm-hmm. right, for her to actually sense God in some way. Uh, and you even think about the way that Jesus called his disciples as come be a part of this little <laughs> type
0: <Come> and see <laughs> tight
2: gang and let's do stuff. And then it's not till like, if you're following Matthew, it's not till chapter 16, halfway through the book that we even get to, like, I have some sense of the right belief. And even the next sentence is get behind me, Satan. Right. <laughs> like It's still pretty messed up theology, but, uh, we're getting there. Um, so yeah, it is this, let's, Let's together go and do what Jesus does,
1: and and you'll meet him along the way. One of the things that we really resonated with us when we were talking to you about this position, this job, was how important it is for you to have relationships with yeah. the kids. Oh, one hundred. Not just to be like the director of programming, <laughs> yeah, like right. go- gopher on the love boat, right? Remember, <laughs> the gopher from the love shuffleboard, boat, board, the level cruise two. director. <laughs> That's old school. You got to be really good. Jeff's like, wait a minute, love boat. Is there was a gopher. Is there a gopher a love boat? Yeah, Julie uh, gopher.
0: Before 1988, or but, um, whenever you were born.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, talk talk about how important relationships are. Uh, having mentors in your life. How you? Know, we talked with Tim Howard yeah. about that. He was on the video talking about he didn't have those kind of mentors and relationships in his life, and he feels like it's so important for. Yeah him to pour into these kids in this way Uh, yeah i mean
2: i don't know there are a handful of people that i know that follow jesus because jesus showed up in a dream or they happened to uh you know open a bible and like this really stood out to them pretty much every every christian i know has been uh led to jesus by someone else um by um youth pastors by pastors by parents uh by friends by uh some adult who is willing to come alongside and pay attention to some you know ignorant kid <laughs> mm-hmm. it's you know it's like you like you were saying it's not just something that's cognitive, which mm-hmm. is the trap that particularly the American church has fallen into over the last hundred years it's Um, if you're learning to walk with Jesus, you need somebody to introduce you to this person. Uh, and you're not going to do that unless you're walking with someone else relationship. So like, uh, discipleship is not just curriculum. It is life on life. It's let me get to know you, uh, and get to know your mess. Uh, and, and when I see. That my mess is actually completely welcome to the table, uh, and that not only do you welcome it, but then, you know, tangentially, like, oh, Jesus welcomes my mess, and oh, by the way, Jesus is the only one who can heal my mess. Uh, like that's that's where transformation happens. Um, you know, I I love some, I'm harping on the cognitive side of it. Like I'm I love to teach. Like, I love digging into the Bible study. I love all of that. Uh, but I've learned that it is very, very rare, no matter how gifted of a speaker you are, for anybody to remember what you said mm-hmm. a week later, or mm-hmm. even after lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, it's rare, uh, but through relationship and through staying in relationship, I've noticed that slowly people's worldview and students' worldview just changes. And they start to talk like you, and they start to think like you, and they start to, and not that I'm trying to make mini-me's, uh, but kind of the same way that Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ.
1: Uh, it's, that's the direction, right? Um,
2: so yeah, so I don't, I don't know if that actually yeah, answers no, and your you question. Yeah, and but. you give
1: room and space for kids to be uniquely themselves. I yeah, mean, sure. in, yeah. in, in all the different ways. And even coming, at, coming to faith, I mean, you look at the, whether it was the disciples or anyone that came after Jesus, I mean, some people came, you know, in a very mystical way, you mm-hmm. think about through history. And some yeah. people came in a very intellectual way. And some people came in a very, you know, in a way that it embraced, like, poverty. Yeah. You know, they felt like that was the basic way. Or through work, you mm-hmm. know, tilling the soil and and growing and building. and Yeah. So it's like... There's so many different expressions of the way you live your faith, and I, I, I do think that one of the reasons we talk a lot about on this podcast is, you know, the the reason that the wor- when you say a lot of people in the world don't connect to institutional religion and they don't connect to church anymore, and there's growing secularism, is that people are spiritual. I mean, if I had a if I had a you know a dollar for every time somebody said, I'm spiritual but not religious, I mean, that'd be really wealthy. I'm Never surprised, but I'd be wealthy when I hear it, and and I I think though that they they're looking at a church that's institutionally laden about some the hypocrisy, you know this the way we treat people, yeah. and become so dogmatic and so so much about drawing circles and who's in and who's out and who's right and who's wrong and it's like it's not relational, it's like it's it's anti relational, and so when you think about Whether it's United Methodist Church or any other church going through all the stuff that they're going through, it's kind of like, man, we've kind of really lost the fundamentals of of what it means to be a community of faith. Yeah. Um, We're about, we're supposed to be about bringing in people that we don't see eye to eye with. That's right. And and wrestling through that together. We don't always end up in the same space. Yeah. We haven't done that for 2,000 years. Mm -mm. But you don't keep dividing and dividing and dividing. That seems to me to be um, sort of antithetical to what the body of Christ is about. And to me, Corinthians is the best of reading Paul, really wrestling with a divided community that really can't stand each other. It really feels like that group is really bad or no, you're really bad. No, they're doing wrong. No, they're doing wrong. And he's trying to keep them together. And it's just messy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 But they come they come together around what the faith, table. hope, and love, but yeah. the greatest of these is love. I mm. mean everybody thinks that's the wedding passage it's really a passage where paul's talking <laughs> about what it means to be in community you know you you can have you, you can have all the words in the world but if you don't have love, you have nothing right you know you're just a clanging cymbal, a gong that's all you are because mm. you don't have love, so I just love nowadays everybody's got words, everybody's got teachings. Mm. Everybody's got le- the legalism, you know. <laughs> I, st- I always wonder too. This is something I've been thinking about. I, I need to. I need to journal more because I can't remember anything. Um, it's like okay, let's say I stayed in the church, and I stayed in the church with other people that I disagree with. Would I no longer be able to? make disciples would I no longer be able to faithfully follow Jesus would I no longer be able to be a Christian would I no longer be able and I'm like no none of that stuff would end
0: no. no so
1: I'm like so what is it about that we have to walk away because I wonder if we rooted
0: in well and if,
1: if our ideas become purity then, yeah I don't know I'm just I'm asking I don't know I
0: try oh. to scratch my head and figure that out <laughs> well I think I think our, like you were <laughs> saying our ideas then become the idol because we know, and we know what will offend God. It's those people that are not doing what I'm doing, you know, or don't have the same issues that I have or whatever those things are. And so then we, we say we can't, we, we can't, if we don't agree with them, we can't have fellowship with them, which is absolutely nuts and I think if we're family, if Christ came to make a new family in the, where we are border crossing in our relationships, we are reaching across divides, then there are going to be people that don't agree with us and we don't agree with. That doesn't mean that God's not trying to create a new family out of those people and that that's where we have to hang in.
1: You know, being an empty vessel, we have so many predetermined ideas about so many things. Um, and you know, a lot of it, we have to ask ourselves how much, is it, how much of it is rooted in cultural ways of understanding? Yeah. Because when I think about, okay, like take homosexuality for, for an example, right? Culturally, you know, there's been a, a long sort of understanding, just, you know, that's like, that's not acceptable or that's not allowed or that's not given space. When I think about, you know, in, um, you know, 200 years ago, divorce was not given that space. And now we don't look at a divorced and remarried person with like your anathema. Maybe some churches do, but not not too many do. But it's like there's there's a movement that goes, and it's like, why does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen because the Bible changes what it says about anything. It it changes because you're either going to come at a relationship with someone who's been divorced and remarried from the perspective of, well, Jesus said that you don't qualify, so you're committing adultery, so you should never be married? Or do we recognize that we live in a world that's fallen and broken, and there's nobody that's getting it right? And is there still capability for redemption in the life of this person whose marriage fell apart? And can part of that redemption be in being remarried to someone? Can there be grace in that moment? And so, you know, I, I, I get that people have different views on on, on things, and they're really strong-held views on things, but I look and see how different we look at divorce and remarriage now versus in 1875, right? Because United Methodists used to be not allowed legally to remarry divorced people.
0: I, you know, I also wonder, like, theologically, if part of that is the— uh... Like I need to take a step further and say like like when when Peter was told to rise up and eat, you know, the this the, the this food that he was Which was supposed against to the eat. law. It was absolutely against the law. And the spirit said, Now what I have said uh, what was formerly unclean is now clean. And so the question I have, like how do we remain open and curious and ask, is the spirit doing something that I need to pay attention to? is what the spirit doing in this moment is asking us to open ourselves up to something and if i have already pre, the pre answered yes or no i can't i can't move into the space where the spirit is saying i'm asking you to be open I'm asking you to be curious about what is happening in this moment in time, and I'm, I'm so I'm wondering is is God asking us to like begin to open ourselves up to say, um, follow me in this, um, um, be curious about this, wonder what the
1: spirits up to. And I think that's the thing where the world intersects with organized religion in the churches. They see organized religion. Yeah institutional church is like your cup's already full yeah your cup's already you, you've got your mind made up on like so many things and what they want to see is a church that says we don't know everything about yeah. everything yeah. we know struggling. a couple of things that like we're pretty confident in and that we're pretty sure in yeah but uh but when it comes to like people and interactions and relationships we're i mean we're struggling with that too I mean, we're still still not getting it all right all the time. And so are you willing to have a little humility? And again, it goes back to there's a law of legalism and there's a law of love. And if you read the scripture from beginning to end, what you find is Jesus brings this law of love which fulfills that law of legalism. It's what perfects the law, and it's rooted in love. And I'm thinking no matter who I disagree with, no matter whose lifestyle I say I'm not sure that that's right or wrong or whatever but I have not love I'm nothing Uh, I
2: think at the end of the day for me you know it's it's difficult to make these dogmatic statements that's above my pay grade uh but uh you know to me at the end of the day it is in this spirit of humility am I following Jesus in 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 true submission, right? Um, so, you know, maybe for my first podcast, I shouldn't make any
1: <laughs> no, you know, it's, that, super
2: th- super intense remarks. But no, but this uh, is this is what we do in this podcast. <laughs> so, but uh, I don't know. To me, you know, when you even think about going back to Acts, like there was this for Peter, it was this undeniable move of the Spirit.
0: But he was resistant all the way. Yeah, he was resistant every step of the way
2: with Jesus, like we said a minute ago, like the Get Behind Me statement. Uh, And then all of a sudden in this moment, it's this very clear, and he has this weird dream that he doesn't Mm -hmm. like. And the very next scene is him showing up, and he sees the spirit fall out on Gentiles. And it's this recognition of, oh, the spirit is for them too. And then a couple chapters later, it is this... uh, Okay, like, well, now the Gentiles are in, like, what does church look like anymore? I don't know. Uh, but you, you see them wrestling with scripture and wrestling with, well, it seems good to the spirit and to us. And it's, it's this humility uh, and this, I just want to submit to what Jesus is doing, right? Right. Um, yeah, but I love
1: how he's not even perfect in the process I mean he gets oh, to the no. point where he like backs off and then he goes to meet Paul and he's like he won't eat with the Gentiles uh, and, Paul's yeah, and, and Paul's like <laughs> I and mean, it, 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 it <laughs> basically I think I think the way Paul words is is like you know the nicest way the Bible can say I basically gave him the what for <laughs>
0: yeah
1: yeah. You know? I had no small dissension I think it's the way yeah, he yeah, said yeah. It. It, I had no small dissension with Peter it was like <laughs> yeah. that's about as harsh as you can say in yeah. Bible terms yeah because I mean so so Peter was there but he's so inculcated in kind of his faith as a as a Jew and, and the church and with Jesus and so he sees it and he goes he knows it cuz he was the first one to do it right he got the vision he went to Cornelius and then he's like put in the place and then he's like culturally he's pressured too and so he's back and forth and I think that's the great analogy yeah of us struggling when when things change for us so drastically so radically especially culturally for us right. whether it's divorce and remarriage or whether it's you know women in ministry back <laughs> years ago I mean it used to be a big yes. thing or it whether a huge it's thing. now now it's with different. with um, you know marriage same sex marriage and all these things we sh- we struggle with these things and I th- I say it's okay to struggle with these things because we're frail human creatures but we yeah. cannot we cannot stop loving, and the the minute that we say, I'm not going to sit at the table with that person, then I think we, Absolutely. Di- we diverge from Absolutely. the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. That's right. He said, I didn't come, you know, I, don't, I didn't come for those who are well or those who have it all together, and those I came for those who need someone, you know, the, 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 the well don't need a doctor. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's what the church is called to be. We're we're called to go and be with the folks that are broken and confused. That the world is is pushing to the margins. Um, mm-hmm. if you if you know, I I wonder. It's like if if we were here, if Jesus were here today, where would Jesus be? I doubt very seriously he'd be in any of the church buildings.
0: I don't think. Especially if his name is Jesus. Just saying. His name is Jesus. I know, I'm just saying. Jesus okay. Cristo. <laughs> Jesus
1: Cristo.
0: Yeah, because then change change often then comes as like um, Thomas Kuhn says, change always comes on the margins, on the edges. It never comes at the center. Change never is evoked from the center. But, but still, we as a church are still trying to control everything from the center. And change always comes from the margins, from the outside in, not from the inside out. And I think that 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 we have to be in relationship with the things on the margins to Mm. continue to be able to ask those questions. What, what is God doing? And are we being faithful to, to what we don't know? Because if the church says we already know and all we're doing is dispensing truth because we have the truth and the truth is printed in these words in the Bible, we don't really need Jesus anymore. We just need the words on the Bible. Right. If the spirit's alive, then the spirit moves in ways that were like you were saying, you know, where once, you know, women in ministry was anathema. Then it was divorced people. Then it was, you know, before that it was, you know, anything you know, whatever Just criteria about how we have. The had.
1: Bible has been used, you know, for, for racial Lord. issues of of the of lack of equality, I mean, to justify slavery or whatever else. I mean, you know, Thank God we've we've moved past those things culturally, but there's a lot of things we haven't moved past. That we still it's again it's it, I think for me the humility is just recognizing okay. there are things culturally that we're limited, our sight is limited, and so what is it that surpasses all of that? That's the discipleship stuff to me. Yeah. That's where you grow in the image and the likeness of Christ. Is is there, not in these the the litmus test of. Who's right? Who's wrong? Is Because I can guarantee you right now there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that people are dealing with and when it comes to identity things and all this kind of stuff, I don't understand it. I mean, I'll be the first to say I don't understand it. Yeah. Um, but I'm also not going to, I'm also not going to like relegate or cut someone off or say that you're not welcome here. But I am going to say I don't, I don't really get this. Because there's new stuff coming out every day when it comes to like sexuality and all this kind of stuff, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I'm willing to say that, but I'm also willing to say I love, you know, and I'm going to continue to be willing to love, and I want to continue to have God challenge my way of seeing the world, because I come out of a specific way, his specific experience yeah, sure. that's different than other people's. Mm. So, well, um, we got to stop Go back to work at Summit. Go back under the house. <laughs> under, the house. Craig,
0: under the house, Levi.
1: Get. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to go. And we said, get under the house. <laughs> he ate his lunch under there.
0: Could I, could I have my sandwich, sir? Not till you finish <laughs> nailing that board <laughs> under there. <that.
1: laughs> Thank you, Joseph Patty. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. I'm Joseph Patty And this is Pod Have Mercy.